Well, we are going to look at the Bible now. Uh, here at City Light, we hold that the Bible is the Word of God, and that's why we look at it every single week. And today we are looking at Matthew 6, uh, Matthew 6, 1 through to 18. It's going to be on the screen behind me, or if you have one of these blue church Bibles, they are, it's on page 811. So Matthew 6, sentences 1 right through to 18. It says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you'll have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their award. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that, that they, your giving may be, will be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may, may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. When you go and pray, pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap uh, up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive, our, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, then on your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will, will, will reward you. Right on. Um, hey everyone, and welcome to City Light. My name is Cam. Um, it is so great to have you here on this beautiful sunny day. Um, and if this is your first time here, Ever walking through our doors, uh, a warm welcome to you. We love having newcomers here, um, and, and we hope you enjoy today. Uh, and we hope that you, uh, you hear and see what we're on about here at City Light. Um, but it was, a, it was a big day this week, wasn't it? Um, a big day. It was a, an important day this week. Um, we woke up Thursday, and um, it was my birthday. <laughs> All right. Huge day. Um, slowly but surely, my car insurance premiums are decreasing, so that, that's great. Uh, it's good news for me. Um, but obviously, a, a, a big week in the, in the political world, um, and so it's really good that today we can, we can just kind of can forget that in some way and, and consider what God has to say for us. Uh, and so that's what we're, we're doing today. Um, but I'm really excited and, and stoked to be uh, bringing this passage uh, to you today. And, and we are, we're looking at religion. Um, but whether you identify yourself as religious or not, uh, my hope for you today is that um, 
you're able to see clearly um, the message of Christianity. Um, and that the message of Christianity is, is far distinct from religion. And that Jesus is actually profoundly against it. So to kick off, I'm going to pray. So will you pray with me? Uh, Father, we thank you that uh, you are the Lord of all, uh, that you are uh, the creator of the universe, uh, that everything uh, that is seen is seen by you. Uh, We pray that uh, wherever we're at today, uh, whether we feel just flat, uh, whether we're uncomfortable in life, uh, whether we're we're not sure who we we are or what we're doing in life, uh, that you might speak to us. And we pray that we would... um, we would see clearly uh, what you have to say to us here now. Help us see Jesus clearly and his call for our lives. And so we just pray uh, that all these distractions would be removed from us and we would uh, be focused on you this morning. Amen. Well, um, trying to be seen uh, by others is, is often needed in life. Uh, like if you are drowning, for example, you want to be seen by a lifeguard out in the ocean. That's a pretty yeah, obvious thing. Um, but if you, in your career, you, you may want to be seen as well. Um, for actors, basically their whole life, the whole career, is, is trying to be seen and be out in the open. Um, and as a few of you know, a few years back, I, I did some acting and, and extra work. Um, and basically, as, a, as an actor in, in film and TV... Um, and theater, um, you're trying to, to be seen. So you go to auditions, uh, you, um, you make connections and networks, you go to gigs, you do extra work, you do whatever you can to get your face seen out there. And I remember this time, I was, um, I was on set for uh, the film Australia with um, Baz Luhrmann. I was doing extra work in it. Um, what a great film that was, am I right? <laughs> um, but it was, um, it was a nighttime shoot, and, uh, and basically what that means is we arrived in the eastern suburbs at this like, mansion chateau thing, and, um, and uh, we arrived there, and it's, it's 4 p.m., and we went all night until 8 p.m., so overnight, very long, and it was the middle of winter, um, which sucked, because uh, it was so cold, and uh, with the extras, we were dressed up in, in soldier uniforms, and so basically, like, we had... Um, uh, like singlets and shorts, whole night. Not only that, but we had um, we had like blood makeup on us as well because we were kind of in this kind of explosion had happened and we were in the hospital and so we couldn't actually put on a blanket the whole night because it would stick to like the blood stuff. So that was rough. I think they just really wanted us to get in character. I think. Um, um, but for an extra, um, let's be real. Your aim is to be seen by the camera. And I remember, like as an extra, you'd have this rush of like trying to get to the front of the line when you go into set so like you could kind of be like pole position for the camera um uh, but everyone tries to play really really chilled and really cool um so if a guy kind of in front of you they you know they kind of like half apologize they're just like oh yeah so sorry mate and you'll be like oh no cool cool that's all good you know and you try and be like a proper actor and be like i've had my fair share of the frame you know you go ahead buddy (laughs) But it's, uh, but it's the middle of the night, and um, I remember we did this take, and, um, and Nicole Kidman was there, and, uh, and the, the, the shot is that she's following this stretcher of potentially Hugh Jackman dead, but it isn't. Oh, twist. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, there's the, and so she goes with all these bloody soldiers, and we're there. And the idea is it seems really emotional, uh, and Nicole's getting kind of worked up. And 
the first take that we did was just like, it was outrageous. Like, we were told to kind of, like, make little, like, moaning noises, like, because we're, we're, like, like, sick. But it just turned into this, like, zombie apocalypse. <laughs> like, everyone's like, and, and it was, uh, it was funny. And there was this guy who was just having, like, a fit. And so, anyway, Baz Luhrmann called cut and, um, and just like, all right, everyone, let's just turn it down a little bit. Um, anyway, and I'm there, and, and Nicole is there, and she's walking past, and, um, and we're resetting the take, and, uh, she put her off past, and she looked at me. <laughs> and we did a couple of takes, and she kept on looking at me. And it's a bit embarrassing, but for, for a split second, I was like, I've made it. <laughs> yeah? Nicole's looked at me like, you know, I thought like maybe she wants me to join her in the next scene, you know, we'll just get someone one time. Um, maybe she just took pity on me, probably that, but uh, we'll never know. Um, but there was this rush of this, this, hey, Nicole, give me, and she just like looked at me. Um, you know, for extras, like, they're, they're motivated by, by the desire to want to, to wanna get their break, to be seen in the industry. And it's not necessarily a, a bad motivator, um, but it's something they, that they need to do. But if we get, think at times of, of our own motivation for our actions, um, what is the motivation to be seen by others? And where does that come from if we were to think about that for ourselves? Like, if we were to even consider social media, like, how, how often do we, do we see things on social media and we can kind of consider, like, why did they post that? Like, what was the purpose of it? Why did they need to say that? Um, even as, as we look at what we've posted or what we've said or what we've commented or liked, what was the motivation for us to project that out? Or even when, when, you, when you've helped someone out uh, and as you're doing so, um, maybe you, you're cleaning um, or, or whatnot, and you just kind of, you, you're doing it, but you, you know those times you just keep that one eye open just to see if anyone's watching to see that you're helping out. Uh, the motivation for why we do things is, is a question um, for those who identify as, as religious or, or not. What's the motivations of our actions? And, and really, what's the reward that we're trying to get? Now, today, today we're particularly talking about religion, um, and in relation to religion, we're, we're at this stage where even if we mention the word religion out there, it can cause us to tighten up in our chest. Um, and it causes us to tighten up in our chest because we think of, of the hypocrisy in the world. Because often what's thrown out there is that religious people aren't actually motivated by God, but rather out of their own interest, out of making themselves look good. And this morning we're going to look at uh, this, this passage in, in kind of three different sections uh, that come up on the screen. Um, we're kind of talk about to be seen. What does it mean to be seen and why do we want to be seen? We're going to look at the, the entanglement of religion and what actually that can have over our lives. We're actually going to go, what is a frightening reward? Um, and what Jesus wants you to know in this is that he is indeed profoundly against religious motivation without God. Um, now, not all the, the major world religions were actually established at this time when Jesus is speaking to the crowd. Um, and, and instead, he's speaking against, uh, and, and, sorry, instead of, of speaking out against worshipping idols and, and kind of the, the sub-religions of the time, um, he actually targets his own people in speaking to the crowd. Uh, this crowd that they've followed him, and he's speaking now uh, to a mixture of, of people in the Jewish community. And he's speaking about three different ways in which the Jewish community expressed their faith. 
Uh, to be distinct from other nations, they were called to, to give to the poor and the needy. They were to pray to God in all things, showing their, their trust in His sovereignty. And they were to fast as, as a gesture of, of dependence on God's provision. And, and this section is kind of broken up into three um, areas. And Jesus isn't just having a generic point of teaching here. He's speaking into the hearts of those that would say that they love God. Those who appear to have a strong faith. And what he says is intended to shake people up. He's really calling people out here. And he starts with this big warning in sentence one. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Uh, he's speaking to a large crowd. It's a, d- a diverse crowd. And as we know from chapter 5, he's, he's got in mind uh, the Pharisees when he's addressing the crowd. But he doesn't just limit it to them. Uh, this is quite an, an open point of teaching. For everyone to actually take stock if our righteousness is just a show for others. He, he's almost saying to the crowd, I just want everyone to stop and check, are you putting on a show here? And are you using God for your own promotion? And so he gives these three expressions of faith. And, and you may have noticed that there's a repetition in this passage. So if we look at the screen, uh, in sentence two, it says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they might be praised by others. And then in sentence five, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And then in sentence 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting might be seen by others. Jesus is calling out those who are, who are using acts of faith for their own reputation and praise and not for God's glory. He's calling them out for, for wanting to use a loving action like, like giving to the needy for their own gain. He's calling out the hypocrites of the time. And it's interesting to reflect on this like 2,000 years later on in Sydney, Australia, a post-Christian culture um, where we don't really see these kinds of things daily, really. Like, as in, people aren't really praying out on the streets. Um, we don't really, like, they're not really fasting and making that evident. Um, in fact, we're probably at the point where even the slightest like, expression of, of faith or religion can be mocked or, or, or taken as pious and self-righteous. But even if we don't see this on our streets, um, wanting to be seen and, and be praised by others is perhaps more rampant now than in Jesus' time. As I kind of mentioned, like we only have to go to, to Facebook to see the underlying calling to be praised by others. It's, it's the go-to place if we do want to brag or boast about our accomplishments or our achievements. You know, we want a good rep among people. Uh, and that little boost we get when, when someone gives us ad- admiration, like a like or a comment or a share. Oh, a share. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we crave the attention of others. But it's not just attention, uh, attention that we seek, because I think you know, some of us like, don't want to be the center of attention at all. Uh, so I think it's more that we crave the reputation of ourselves, that there's a level of, of awe or in something um, 
whether that is an or that we're a good person or, or a good worker or, or that we're intelligent. And the question is, like, why do we crave it? Why do we crave the attention or the approval of others? In a way, we, we crave it because we're all, in a way, religious. And before we go further, I want to clarify what that means and what is meant by religion and religious, because um, I think it will help you navigate um, your kind of place in this talk. Because uh, you might not identify yourself or, or, or follow a religion or, or say that you are religious, but, but I want to show you that perhaps um, we're all in this camp of being religious. So uh, religion, what is talked about when, when we speak about religion? Well, religion is, is kind of an, an institution uh, with certain God terms uh, that has a binding authority over a community or a church. And so religion often uh, determines all the important things in relation to yourself. So the question of who am I? Why am I? Uh, but then how these questions then relate to God. Uh, and religion often has salvation terms to it. Uh, it defines what we need to do in order to be accepted by God. And religious as a term. So religious is, is referring to this fundamental capacity that we all have as humans. Now, the Bible says that we as people, we all have a heart, and that that heart is religious. And, and what is meant by that is that a heart is desiring something to worship, something to worship or seek acceptance in. And we couldn't stop being religious if we tried. And so if we don't kind of adhere to God, if we don't follow God uh, and His way, we'll, we'll kind of go and make our own gods or idols to worship. And so we can be religious in that we're, we're God creators, we're idol makers. And so an example, um, your family can become an idol. Where day by day you're seeking their acceptance on you. Uh, work can be turned into, into a religious activity as your heart seeks the approval of your colleagues. A relationship can become religious in your heart's desire to have acceptance or, or praise by someone. And sometimes we'll make ourselves in, into God, uh, the God of our life, as we seek acceptance and approval. Uh, so what I'm trying to clarify is that uh, it's possible to be both religious um, even without subscribing to religion. And so if we jump back into the passage, um, what Jesus is saying is that, we really have, uh, that Jesus is really having a go uh, at the hypocrites whose religiousness is, is void of God. He calls them hypocrites, uh, which is a word that, that acting kind of derives from. That they, they're, they're, they're putting on show that they are acting. Why? Because the heart that motivates their giving, their prayer, their fasting, is it, it, supposed to be a heart for God, but what in turn for them is they, they have a heart that is motivated by human admiration. That as they, uh, as they give, as they pray, and as they fast, their heart is actually desiring human admiration and not God. They just want to be seen. They've replaced the worship of God for the worship of themselves. And I will be the first to admit that I can identify with this and that, that sometimes in my actions, like they're for my own reputation and not out of a God-honoring appreciation. 
And I think this passage is, is, is trying to really push us, really trying to push us to consider who is it that I'm trying to be seen by? Who is it in my life that, I, that I'm trying to please or be praised by? If it's not God, then, then who is it? And it's a question worth asking yourself now. Who in your life are you trying to be seen by? Is it friends or family? Are you wanting to seek their, their approval over your lives? Is it a colleague or a boss? Do you want to be known as the best worker or the smartest person or the most strategic worker? Is it other parents you know wanting to be known as that awesome mother or father? Is it that special someone? Do you want to, seem, uh, to be seen as attractive or, or attractive for them? Who is it that you're wanting to be seen by? And the next question is, what are you looking for there? Like, what is your motivation? And what is it that you desire from that person? And does that even actually make you feel complete and whole? What Jesus is saying here is that these, these things are, are fleeting and they're a fleeting reward and they're never fulfilling because they're a false reward. So if we look back at the passage, uh, let's look at the, at the second repetition that we see throughout it. And the second repetition in the passage is as Jesus points um, after each problem uh, with their religious behavior is that, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Um, and you might be thinking, well, that's a bit weird. Um, why do they get a reward? Isn't the whole point of this passage against uh, self-interest and, and gain? Uh, what, the, what the heck is this reward that he's talking about? Well, the reward is purely the approval of others. And you might be like, who hasn't actually uh, felt how rewarding it is to be admired um, for our discipline or our zeal or our, um, our devotion to God? Uh, like, 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 let's be real. It, it's, it's, it's a really nice feeling. Um, I would say there are a few things that feel more gratifying uh, to our heart in our, in our broken uh, state than being accepted for our accomplishments, especially our religious accomplishments. And so it's easy to do religious things if other people are watching, uh, whether it be praying in public or, or, or preaching even, uh, attending church, reading the Bible, acts of kindness and, and charity. But what Jesus is saying is, is, that's it. Like, that's all you get. Now, that's not all bad, but the danger is that if our life starts to be justified and understood simply on a horizontal level, um, that the effects that we have of, of what we do uh, are seen by others, that actually God actually becomes secondary when that occurs. And we forget the vertical. And so as we focus on the horizontal level, God, as we see him in the vertical, it just falls out of the picture. And if God falls out of the picture... We can actually really get entangled by our religious ways. We get so entangled. Um, this week, there was, um, I think it was this week, yeah, there, were, there was this phenomenal clip 
that went uh, viral. Uh, it was a clip from David Attenborough, Planet Earth 2. Uh, you may have seen it. It's called Iguana vs. Snake. And uh, who's seen this? Can I? Yeah. Uh, if you haven't, watch the whole thing. It is nuts. Like, um, it, basically what it is, it shows this baby iguana. There's the picture. Baby iguana is chilling out um, on, the, on Gal- Galapagos Island. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Oh, whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, he's there, and he's trying, he's like frozen, he's trying not to move to be seen by the snake, um, which you can't actually see, but the snake, ooh, hang on, wait for that one. <laughs> There's a snake kind of there, kind of a little bit. Anyway, um, and as the snake gets closer, the iguana just legs it, just like bolts, and um, as this happens, yeah, the nightmare comes. Next slide. This is just swarm of snakes that just come out of these rocks. And you just like, this is the worst thing. And they're like ganging up on the iguana. You know, I showed this um, to uh, Esther Miranda at 4 p.m. as we're driving to uh, Excelsior, where I work and where she studies this week. And it was, oh, it was so good. Um, she was, as we watched this, she was gagging. Um, <laughs> And when the snake started to appear, she was like, oh my goodness, no, 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 and, and she just like, oh. and, uh, and that went for like the entire duration of the clip. Um, uh, and there's this moment where the iguana gets tangled, isn't this the worst? It gets tangled by the snakes. Like it's just this pile of snakes. Um, Esther was just like, no, 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 I'm done. Uh, and I'm just like, just watch it. But you, you're thinking like, the iguana, he's a goner, or she, who knows. But somehow, but somehow, the iguana escapes, and it doesn't ruin it because it's still phenomenal, um, but it escapes the demon binding of the snakes. Like, it's out of there. It's absolutely crazy um, filming. Uh, it won't ruin the clip, um, but somehow it managed to escape, goes up to the top of the, of the rocky cliff, and it's all good. Um, but I was thinking about it, and that, um, like, the snakes just, like, they don't go away. Like, even though he's at the top of the rocky bit, like, the snakes are still present. Like, they're still there, like, now. So, like, sleep well tonight as you think about that. <laughs> but what a horrible way to live. Like, every day, you're trying to leg it from a swarm of snakes. Like, that is a rough life. But you know what? Isn't it a lot like chasing the reward or, or an acceptance of others uh, to be seen by them? Uh, there's this weightiness and that we're always trying to please people. We're always trying to chase their acceptance. I think like the, the iguana, uh, there may be points in your life, maybe even now, where you're just like entangled by it all. And you're trying to do right things in order to, to have your uh, acceptance uh, seen, that you're trying to be approved, uh, that, you're, that you as a human exist. But is it ever enough? And you might be caught in this spiral. And what happens is, if you don't get that acceptance, what do you have? What happens if you don't get the acceptance of those who you desire? What then? Uh, To live a life so caught up in in others' view of you is, is to live a life entangled in this giant web, and you won't actually be able to fully live. 
We kind of know this. If you're a follower of Jesus, we know this, but yet this is what we fall back to all the time. It's, 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 just, it's awful to consider that, that if we place our identity in what others view in us, like that is a horrible way to live. Because you have no say over it. Religion, religious thinking, actually just isn't conducive to your well-being. And it just perpetuates this need and this cycle of entanglement uh, of others and their opinions of you. And Jesus identifies this as the false reward. And so we may think we, we need acceptance by our boss, husband, wife, friends, father, or mother. But it's, in fact, just a, a piddly reward. Everyone needs to say piddly more. It's a great word. It's, like, it's kind of automatic. It's like piddly. And this is what uh, religious thinking does when our motivations are, de- are void of God. You know, one of the reasons why I, I'm most convinced of Christianity is true and the way to live is that this teaching of Jesus captures what I know I crave. Like I will be the first to say, I, I seek the approval of others. I do desire people to like me. I do desire God to show me favor. Even though I've, I've been a Christian for about 12 to 13 years now, I still fall into this trap of thinking, if I just do this, and others will accept me. If I just do this, then God will show me favor. If I just do this, and if God doesn't show me favor, then my, my fallback is people. But this is, this is counter to what Jesus is teaching. The Sermon on the Mount isn't about that. The teaching here is, is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I understand that you're broken and you're desiring a reward, that isn't me. I understand that you're trying to find your, your path in this world. I understand that you're trying to make your way. But even before you began to do all those things, I accepted you first. Your Christianity isn't obeying in order to be accepted by God, as religion would say. Christianity is, I'm accepted, and out of that I have a desire to obey. Jesus' teaching isn't do this, do that. He's wanting to remove that from the equation. And so he offers offers us a different way to live. And we find that in the passage. After each of the religious approving, seeking actions, he calls us to the opposite. As it comes up on the screen, it says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. In sentence 6, he says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And after each section, what does he say? We'll come up in the next slide. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus calls us to a life that disposes of actions that are up for our own reputation. To a life of, of unseen goodness. He calls us to a motivation so untainted by others' opinions that, that our left hand doesn't know what our right hand is doing. I did that for you guys then.
that, would, that we would so value God as the primary heart motivator that, that people's opinions um, aren't our award, but God. And they're removed. He calls us to repent of a life that is draining. It's because it is draining. To one of, of true communion with God. To a way of living where your heart is aligned to the secret reward. And that secret reward isn't good status among people. It isn't wealth. It isn't comfort. It isn't the approval of our peers. It is God. God is the reward. And, it, and it's more than that, as is, as is mentioned in the Lord's Prayer, but we're not going to go into it heaps, but that the reward is that God receives the glory. God receives the glory that we would have for ourselves. We kind of throw it all to Him. The reward is for His will to be done on the earth, not our own, not our desires. It's completely different again. Because the reward isn't self-focused, it's God-focused. And at the end of the day, all that matters is God. And who He is, and what He thinks, and what He will do. And this is freedom. This is freedom from basing our lives off the opinions of others. Because it actually aligns ourselves with our true desire. It allows us to accept the realities of the present and how we live, but yet it elevates our thoughts to a reward that isn't even material. It is the very craving of our heart. And that very craving is, is relationship restored with God. It is freedom to worship the one thing that we were created for. What Jesus offers is a heart transplant. It's as if right now our hearts are upside down, the valves and the, and the veins are all tingled and knotted up, and then constant frustration. And Jesus realigns everything so we can breathe again. And he gives us this new life, this new breath, in order that we might see clearly and know the comfort that awaits us in eternity of pure love and acceptance by God. And I want to push this further than saying that this will just help you clean the dishes for people, for, for God's glory, not your own. Um, though that isn't insignificant, do that. But I want to push it further. Because as I've been thinking about this over the last two weeks, and as this passage has been challenging me, uh, and as I've been reading Radical by David Platt, um, I'm thinking like, if this is true... If God is, is the true reward, then God is a frighteningly better reward. And why I believe that, why I say that God is so frighteningly better, is that if we truly grasp how great He is, we would be terrified at the extent of our wasted lives and actions. I mean, just comprehend this for a moment. The message of Christianity is God himself became nothing for us. The creator of the universe lowered himself to become someone spat on and abused. The creator who made all the joys of life, who fashioned the sky in all its beauty, who carved out the mountains and glistened the sea with the sun. The God who, who, who makes matter. That God who is in control of all hung on the cross for our wrongdoing. 
our selfish desire. And he does it so he can wipe it all clean. This God who bled for us out of love. How great this is. And yet we would exchange this this love for others' opinions of us. It it just doesn't make sense in, in, in light of it. And there's a weighty joy to the gospel. Because if you were in Jesus, our slates are constantly, consistently wiped clean before God. We don't need to feel guilty about our actions, but maybe it's a chance for us to reflect on the gospel and take a different path again. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, know that this, this God is the God who loves you regardless of what you think of him. And he too offers you this freedom. And if we are freed from entanglement of being seen and accepted by others, then then what actually might this look like uh, if you were to radically reorientate your life? What are the possibilities here for you? What can you be untangled from in your life so you might not bring yourself glory but Jesus? Just, Just gaze with me forward. If the Lord is in heaven if it's not things right now, but his union with, with the almighty creator, if what Jesus says here is true, what's holding you back? If you're trying to be accepted by others through your work, could this mean that you reorientate how you think about your career? And this is something that I'm wrestling with now. Like, like if this is real, if this reward is real, and we say it's real, but we do nothing about it, then we're absolute fools. We are hypocrites. We, we are the best actors in the world. If we continue in life just, just comfortable with the acceptance of others, uh, we'll just continue on the plateau. If we're just comfortable uh, maintaining a religious disposition towards Jesus, then far out, we've missed it, hey. So here are some things you might consider. You know what? You might consider using your career for others and not yourself. Doing God's will in the workplace, bringing Him glory, then trying to receive it. And that might mean that people start to dislike you. But if God is the reward, then you have a motivation because you know that the Creator of the universe accepts you. It might even mean giving up your career that is pulling you towards being self oriented. It might mean giving up your wealth to serve those who have nothing. You know, you might be challenged to give away your wealth instead of just buying new things for further self-promotion. And you might do that, and nobody will see it, but God does. And it brings Him delight and joy, and in turn, you will receive delight and joy. It might mean giving up comfort here in Sydney to unfamously reach the lost in the world you might consider giving up comfortable middle-class Australian life. You might consider giving up your free time. You know, um, the people who I consider are are the most unseen here, and I won't name names, but the the people I think are the most unseen are are those that are just present in, in community and here often. Those people here that continually invest in others, continually invest in community, not for their own glory, but to bring God glory by laying down their lives for others. 
that their discomfort in having a busy life wouldn't affect their desire to partake in the beauty that is in church, the beauty that is investing in others for no gain. You know, you might even consider your relationships differently. That instead of an inward, self-seeking marriage or, or dating relationship, one where you're comparing yourself to others all the time and other marriages and other dating couples, to one of humility. That it would be a humble, God-glorifying marriage that, that considers others and how to love them for no gain with your relationship. So when you stand before God and you give an account in your life, will the comfort of, of middle-class Australian acceptance be your reward? Before I pray to wrap up, I just want to leave this with you. Will the comfort of middle-class Australian acceptance be your reward at the end of the day? What have you got to gain from others? What have you got to lose with God? I'm going to pray now. Will you pray with me? Father, uh, you were the one true God, worthy of all our love, worthy of all our attention, worthy of all our glory to be put towards you. You were the true God, who loves us dearly. And Father, we thank you that what you give us is, is a life of freedom. That you accept us first. That we don't have to build a bridge or work our way towards you. But you are the one who does all things for us. You are the God who is to be praised for laying down your life for us. The God to be praised whose blood is spilt for us that our selfishness and our sin might be wiped clean. Father, we just pray now in light of this that you would speak to us. Give us the comfort of the gospel. May we not feel guilt, but we might see the gospel as the motivation to humble ourselves, to change our lives radically, to reorientate our lives for your glory. We pray these things in your son's mighty name.